You're listening to the Whitewater Podcast. We just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Have you ever heard that expression, uh, you are my ride or die, or this is my ride or die? Um, I, I saw it on a, on a bumper sticker, like I found my ride or die. Uh, on a on a car the other day, and um, and I know that I think I know that means that means that you know this is the person I love or you're the person I love, uh, my ride or die. But when I hear expressions like that, it's always so funny how people express themselves. But I have so many questions, like like in what context? Like if my wife sat down and said, "You're my ride or die," I'd be like, uh, "Does it have to be one or the other, <laughs> ride or die? Like, can't we just like?" Uh, eat some cake and take a nap like that. That's, uh, that's romance to me. <laughs> uh, or like if, you know, if someone were to say ride or die, I, it sounds like a threat. You know, what are we talking about? What context are we in? Uh, we have, we're as humans, we have such funny ways of like, uh, talking about love and that's what it is. How do we talk about love? And today we're going to be talking about marriage. And I really want to dig into the, the vision, this grand vision that God has for marriage. And it's so easy to have competing visions for that. And, and also, we live in a world that could really uh, maybe lower the vision for marriage or um, make it cheap. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to look at five... Um, what I want to do today is I want to give an, an, a bit of an introduction uh, to the, the vision that I think God has for marriage and uh, I'm going to do that by way of looking at five visions, four of them kind of that are competing visions that I see in our culture, and then landing uh, uh, on just introducing a, a bit of the biblical vision. And then the following week, uh, the following Sunday, we're going to really dig into uh, what that means, what that can look like, and what are some of the essentials for uh, pursuing that as a vision. The first is marriage is getting. It's about getting. Um, it's about taking or consuming marriage. Um, and when you, when you approach uh, marriage with this vision, you might hear things like, why can't you be more like you were before? Why can't my, my <laughs> partner, my spouse, my husband, my wife, why can't uh, that they see if they did this, I would be happier and they would be happier? So it's about getting, getting what you want out of it. So that's one uh, vision. Another vision is marriage is all about giving, giving and giving and giving. Man, you might hear, if you're looking at this vision of marriage, you might hear someone say, man, if I was just better and if I could just do more, be more, be more perfect, then I, I would make my, my partner happy. I would make my spouse happy um, and I'd be happy. You know, when I think of the, the two visions of like marriage is getting or marriage is just giving, I think of like that story of the giving tree where this young little boy uh, just gets and gets and gets more and more, takes and takes and takes from this caring tree that uh, lovingly gives and gives until at the end of the book, she's just a stump. Now, if we look at the first two, marriage is, uh, is getting marriage is giving, there's also a third vision that, uh, that our culture, ha culture has about marriage. It's marriage is kind of garbage. Uh, it's just a piece of paper. It's antiquated cultural expectations. It's now irrelevant. It's worthless for modern day life. You know, like questions that might come from this perspective that says, you know, marriage isn't worth that much. How, how can two people 
ever be happy or in love for their entire life. You know, from this perspective and this vision, love is just moment by moment. From this vision, our our commitment is only as committed as we feel committed, as our emotions feel committed. Another vision that's cultural, but I think this is a unique uh, Christian cultural view, is that marriage is God. Marriage is God. Uh, Marriage is the perfect thing that will perfect me. It's going to solve all my problems. Marriage is the goal of being a good Christian. You might hear uh, someone say, if I just get married, then everything will be good and I'll be happy. Um, You know, maybe you you might hear that uh, you're the only person that knows how to make me feel happy. That's when, like, marriage becomes God. You know that you've turned marriage into God when you begin chasing it as a symbol, a status, a feeling that creates a moment-by-moment comparison to an ideal that we can never attain. See, this is a recipe for making both you and your spouse or maybe boyfriend, girlfriend feel like a failure, never enough, and it destroys the joy, love, and trust that you really want. Marriage as God is when you find all your significance and identity in it. It becomes your spiritual salvation, the thing that makes you right with God. But no one gets into heaven because they're married. No one gets into heaven because they're single. Marriage or singleness is not the the primary Christian identity or significance marker, and neither is it salvation. God's love in the form of Jesus is our salvation and our primary identity and where we find significance. And you know that we've believed in marriage as God or an idol when If it's threatened or it's taken away, like we've lost everything, we no longer have any identity. We no longer have any hope at joy or love in our life. And although marriage is a significant relationship, um, life is bigger than just that. Marriage within its context of God's love and the way he, he designed it is something that we can look forward to. It's something that can, it transform us But ultimately, our significance is most beautifully and powerfully found in our life with God. Clever marketing, fairy tale book stories, cultural narratives, social media paint all these competing visions of what marriage is. God gives us a different vision for marriage. Marriage is God's gift of love to give and receive. It's not just getting. It's not just only giving. It's, it's not garbage. It's not God. It's God's gift for us to give and to receive and to transform each other in a way that looks like Jesus and is centered on Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says this. He says to husbands and wives in um, Ephesians 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like mutually submit, mutually transform each other and serve each other so that you can change and become like Christ and out of your reverence and love for Jesus. Later in the passage, Paul references uh, the oneness of marriage between humans. He says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. 
there's again this mutuality, this love that's I, I love that's centered there, and that marriage is like a, a, a reflection of God's love for the world. Like there's this committed covenant depth, like loyal love that is reflected there, and that God's love for the world and for the church is is a primary center for us to understand what marriage is. It's it's just a beautiful um, symbiotic uh, metaphor, if you will. Tim Keller writes that when married or unmarried people understand a vision of marriage that is biblical, it will help married people correct mistaken views that might be harming their marriage, and it will help single people stop destructively over-desiring marriage or or destructively dismissing marriage altogether. Although this isn't a sermon on singleness, uh, singleness is an important part of the Christian vision for life and sexuality. Jesus, after all, was single and was able to live a whole and full human life. Everyone is called to singleness for portions of their life before marriage. Some are called to singleness for a lifetime. Uh, And a huge part of being Christian is learning to be Christ-like in our singleness, in our dating, in our marrying, in our broken marriage, or sometimes in the loss of a spouse, and sometimes in our remarrying. Now, we had a few questions that I think are important questions and common questions about marriage, and uh, I just want to take a moment to respond to them. I think this question is really important for a number of reasons. Um, we live in a world that just tells us, like, marriage or whatever you're doing should just be the, it's like a happiness vending machine. And... Um, but when you, it's weird, it's this paradox, the thing that if you say this should give me all my happiness, that thing often like becomes one of the biggest sources of unhappiness or this thing should make you content. It should fulfill your needs and your desires and, your, and make you happy. And so you should, you should feel completely content. But then when you like make it the contentment uh, vending machine or happiness vending machine, you start comparing to all these other people and what's making them happy. Um, and this isn't making you happy. So you end up not happy, not content. Um, and, uh, and then things unravel from there. So like with marriages, there's a deep sense of disappointment or disillusionment. Um, marriage isn't what I thought it was going to be, you know, like Christians who thought it was supposed to be everything and it's going to make me, uh, what I should be as a Christian. And they find out like, wow, I'm really broken, but you know, my, my, the person I love is very broken and like, this isn't making me happy. Like, what is this? Seeing tremendous amount of people breaking up, splitting up. Um, I think the thing that can kind of reframe and shift our focus off like the happiness contentment machine of marriage or this person or that person or that thing, um, it reframe, and it helps us reframe it is this, the biblical concepts of hope and thankfulness or hope and gratitude. And this is really important. Um, we can... There are certain things in our lives and, and in marriage where we should learn to be content. And there's some things it's true that we shouldn't be content with, like maybe poor habits or ways of talking to each other, ways of looking at things, ways of treating the past, treating the present, even treating the future that aren't good, aren't healthy. And so how do you like how do you balance that what you should be content with and what you shouldn't? And how do you walk in that in a way that, you know, is actually in unity? And the, that's where the, the concept, I think, biblically of gratitude um, thankfulness and hope come into play. So thankfulness helps us be grateful for what is and what we have, the best of what is. And hope helps us look to the future for, for what could be. And I think 
between these two, they, they create a tension, they create a paradox that we are to be happy for what we have, but there are some things that aren't right or need to be put to right um, in our lives, in our marriages. And, and that's what hope is. Hope is saying, hey, God is making all things right, all things new, and there's a patience, there's a waiting, but I am hoping for something good. I'm trusting in God. And, and if we can ba- kind of balance this paradox or this tension between thankfulness, which plants us where our feet are in the present moment, like I can be grateful for my, my wife, I can be grateful for my husband, I can just be, I can be so thankful for the ways that God has provided for us in this uh, moment today. But tomorrow, like there's, God wants us to grow and, and God wants to lead us from where we're at. I can have hope in that. And hope is about um, a, a, a better tomorrow. And thankfulness is about a good today and what God is doing today. And if you can kind of balance both those, then it helps you deal with like the, maybe the bitterness and the discontentedness. You can feel both content in what you have today and hopefully discontent for what God is, what you feel like God is pulling you toward in the future. And I think that helps us tremendously when it comes to um, our marriages and our relationships. This is a great question. How do you handle being a, a, your own person, an independent person, in a two-person deal like a marriage, right? Um, how do you have diversity and unity at the same time? And that's really learning to balance the tension between me and we. Um, that, uh, one of my favorite uh, leadership philosophers is a guy named Chris Peterson. He, he was a football coach. And he talks about the leadership paradox. I think this is very helpful for marriages and has a lot of truth to it. So here's the tension between me and we, you and your spouse. The leadership paradox says this, it's not about me. That's the first rule. It is not about me. It's about other people. It's about serving other people. It's about the community or it's about my marriage. I'm here to serve. It's not about me. That's the first rule. The second rule of the leadership paradox is it's all about you. And it's all about you means like you are the one who makes decisions for your life. You are responsible for your emotions. You need to take ownership of your life. And here's the thing. It's not about you and it's about you. And both these are true at the same time. It's saying like it's about serving others, the we. It's about serving your spouse. And then it's about me as saying like I'm going to take responsibility and ownership for my life. And, And when you begin to get that, I mean, you just know it when someone starts to understand that they can serve outside themselves, but they can also let their needs be known in an unselfish way. Uh, they can comf- they're comfortable in their own shoes. They're who they are. They're not their, they don't just blend into the background of their spouse. They're individually uniquely called and gifted, and, they, and they, there's a mutual partnership that's happening. It's so healthy. You, I mean, you know it when you see it, but that, I think that tension is a very challenging one, and that's a sign of maturity. If you can learn to balance that, that tension, or as Coach Peterson calls, a paradox, and it really is. Leaders who have really hit on this in you know, the last few years, uh, this, this tension, and, uh, you, and you see the world kind of bending one way or the other. Um, you, you see marriages bending one way or the other. Culturally, you see this in like, um, so the, the ownership, personal ownership, personal responsibility, you see leaders like, uh, 
um, Jordan Peterson. Um, you see like a Mark Driscoll. Like a lot of their uh, platform has been built on like be re- be a responsible human being. Like if we can just raise responsible human beings, society would be so much better, which is totally true. There's people who are born into situations, into families or cultures where like th- their ability to um, have ownership or um, to have agency over their life, to be able to have decision-making power is very limited. And so they could they could get their act together. Like Jordan Peterson says, you know, clean your own room before you, you clean other people, you know, tell other people to clean their room. Clean your own room before you tell other people how to run their lives. And that's a good principle. But I mean, if you're, what if you're, you know, living in North Korea and you clean your room really well, is that going to solve all your problems and give you the freedoms and the liberties that you're desiring and the, mat- the maturity, uh, give you the life that you want? Well, probably not. Uh, if you're in a, if you're a little kid in a really abusive situation and you've gone from like foster home to foster home and been abused, uh, will taking ownership for your life in that moment of your life where you have very little agency, is that going to solve everything? No. Uh, is it going to help? Yes. But there needs to be a, a, a combination of both. Like where if there are people that say, hey, I'm going to be, res- I'm going to take social responsibility. I'm going to take on social responsibility for my world, um, people I care for, I love. Um, that all of a sudden can help systems. I'm going to take care of we starts taking care of families and people and societies who might not have the opportunities that we do, and it teaches personal responsibility. So when both of those things are firing all at once, um, I think families, marriages, and societies um, really improve. Hey, I want to invite you back um, next week as we, we dig a little bit deeper into this vision of marriage and the essentials, the essential pieces to, to really make this, this uh, vision happen. No matter where you're at, what your calling is in life or what your relationship status is, uh, we're going to be looking at some tools that will help you build relationship and help you build the um, really the foundations of healthy relationships and especially around this vision called marriage. I love you so much. See you next week.